this week on Paranormally Speaking with Neil Parks. That's me. I'm your host. Neil Parks, award-winning author, illustrator, screenwriter, and so many more things that I will not dare name because it will make me sound arrogant and pretentious. Hope you've had a great day so far and are having a wonderful week. This week, I will be discussing the evil that men do. Basically, it's mankind, the true monster. And I'll start off with an article that I read earlier. Unfortunately, it was another representative from the church, a pastor who was arrested in Ohio for trying to solicit teenage boys in a sex trafficking sting. And yet again, another person of the cloth tied up in a sex scandal involving children. The same people who work with political figures and vote people in who say, oh, we're going to destroy pornography. Oh, we're going to topple the sex trafficking, the sex ring of the Democratic Party who has pizza shops in New York and they're dragging children that are abducted into these pizza shops and they're butchering them and selling their body parts for like dark rogue organizations that drink the blood of infants for immortal youth or for sacrificial or satanic purposes. It's all the Democratic Party. The Democrats are not free of sin by any means, but at the same time, they're not eating or brutalizing children as a party. There may be people that are Democrats that are sexual deviants, yes. But the ones that are getting caught and dragged through the mud for committing the very crimes they accuse the left of doing are the ones committing the crimes themselves, that being the alt-right conservative Christians, which drives me absolutely freaking nuts, really, because they run their mouths, they run Democrats through the mud, they try to make villainize them and make them look like that they are the sexual deviants, they are the perverts, when in fact it's them the ultra-conservative, uber-polished Christians that are the ones that are committing these heinous crimes against children or against women in general, whether they be immigrants or prostitutes that have been abducted along the way, runaways, people strung out on drugs, uh, you know, young people strung out on drugs. I mean, the list goes on. And... I have a real problem with people who are tied into the church representing Jesus Christ and all that he taught us and all that God commanded mankind to be to one another, which is be to people what you want them to be unto you. Turn the other cheek, show compassion, show love, tolerance, acceptance, empathy. And these people that are getting caught up in these sex rings and human trafficking, that are elected officials, that are people who represent the badge and protecting and serving, people who are attorneys, doctors, they all meet the the same modus operandi, and that is they are normally church-going folk who cast stones at those who either don't go to church regularly or at all, who have no basis of faith or of are of a different political party. They're always the first ones to cast stones. And then they turn around and get caught with their pants down 
for committing the sins that they are accusing others of doing. It blows my freaking mind. So this week, I'm going to be touching on mankind and the things, the monsters that we as human beings actually are. Please hold for an important message from one of my sponsors. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. To start off, the very first thing I will be sharing with you, I know not the Lizzie Borden murder. I mean, that's that's been beaten to death. Of course, that's another horrible act committed by mankind where Lizzie Borden allegedly brutalized and murdered her own parents. Uh, she was released free of charge, got off with the crime scot-free. Everyone knows she did it. And allegedly, the uh, hauntings in the Lizzie Borden house continue to this day. And no one really knows if it's Lizzie Borden trapped in the home upon death, and that is her own personal hell, or the energy released from the murdered parents continually playing out in a residual haunt in this house until the end of time. Number one, when police rescued a recently missing child, they also found a boy who was missing for four years. In January 2007, 13-year-old Ben Ownby disappeared from a school bus stop in rural Missouri. A witness saw the white pickup truck that carried Ownby drive away, which eventually led police to the one-bedroom apartment of 41-year-old Michael Delvin. Upon arriving at the scene, investigators not only discovered Ownby alive and well, but another boy, Sean Hornbeck who had been missing from the area for four years and was sitting comfortably on the couch. Delvin had quite literally been on the prowl in rural neighborhoods looking for a boy to victimize when he abducted Hornbeck and took him into his apartment just 50 miles away. Eventually, Hornbeck was allowed out of the apartment to lead a relatively normal life under the threat that if he tried to tell or leave and tell anybody about his captivity that Delvin would kill his family. This arrangement, coupled with sexual abuse, lasted for four years until Delvin decided Hornbeck was getting too old and started looking for another victim. That's when he spotted Ownby at the bus stop. While the eyewitness tip fresh in mind, officers happened to be responding to an unrelated call at Delvin's apartment complex when they spotted the white pickup. The next day, they questioned Delvin at the pizza shop where he worked, which was just around the corner from the police station. He confessed to kidnapping not one, but two boys. Authorities were stunned, not only at his confession, but at the result. Two abducted boys found alive, not more than an hour's drive from their homes. Delvin received 74 life sentences for his crimes. It'd be great if he were brutally beaten and brutalized in prison. A perplexing suicide note led police to discover pots of body parts in a kitchen. On an October night in 2006 in New Orleans, the body of Zachary Bowen, an Iraq war veteran who was just 28 years old, was found on top of a parking garage. In his pocket, police discovered his dog tags and a suicide note and a key to his girlfriend's apartment. The note read, this is not an accident. 
I had to take my own life to pay for the one that I just took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge. And a full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. When police arrived at Addie Hall's apartment, that is exactly what they found. Her head was in a pot on the stove, as were her hands and feet, and her legs and arms were covered with seasoning salt on a roasting pan in the oven. Upon further searches of the scene, police found Bowen's journal, in which he calmly described how he strangled Hall to death and, not surprised, that he had no remorse for the act, decided it was time to leave this world. How nice of him. It would have been great if he had just offed himself first and saved that poor girl the problem of being tortured and murdered. Missing young woman was finally found with her kidnapper, went out with their children. Jace Duggard was kidnapped in 1991, but the mystery of her whereabouts, that wasn't solved until about 2009 when she was rescued from her kidnappers, Philip and Nancy Garrido. Duggard was 11 when the couple kidnapped her as she walked to the school bus stop in her neighborhood in Myers, California, near South Lake Tahoe. Phillips and Nancy, a certified nursing assistant, held her in captivity in a labyrinth of sheds and outbuildings Philip had built in their backyard. He regularly sexually assaulted Dugard and forced her to raise the two daughters she had with him. In August 2009, after all this time, Philip went to UC Berkeley to inquire about Uh, basically a hospital or hosting religious events on the campus and brought along the girls. A campus sheriff member, Lisa Campbell, immediately became suspicious of him and requested a background check, which revealed Philip was a registered sex offender. He was required to attend a parole meeting where authorities uncovered that the children were Dugards and she was the girl who had been kidnapped in 1991. Shortly afterward, Police related, related, raided the Garrido home and arrested Philip and Nancy, charging them collectively with 29 felony counts. Philip was sentenced to 431 years in prison, while Nancy received 36 years to life. Dugard was reunited with her family and has since published two memoirs. Now, good news is, Phillips, who was sentenced to 431 years in prison, was savagely beaten and dismembered while in custody. Well, behind bars, that is. So, silver lining. The unknown culprit behind the hinter Kalfik slayings may have been living in the victim's home. In March 31st, 1922, six people were slain at the hinter Kalfik Bavarian homestead in Germany. This includes the five members of the Gruber family, Andreas, his wife, Kazelia, their widowed daughter, Victoria, and her two children, Kazelia and Joseph, as well as their maid, Maria Bagamgarter. The week earlier, Andreas had noticed footprints leading toward the farm from the woods, but no returning prints. Previously, she had complained about this to friends and neighbors for months after hearing creaking on the footsteps in the attic as well as finding a newspaper in the home that he didn't purchase. He also revealed the keys to his tool shed had gone missing, which happened to be the place 
with his pickaxe, which eventually became the murder weapon. Months prior to the slaying, the Gruber's previous maid had quit, claiming the house was haunted by ghosts after she heard mysterious voices and footsteps. Not until April 4th, after Jan Kazelia was absent from school and the mailman reported the mail pickup and they had been piling up, where the police told the check on the Hinter Kaffefik farm. Investigators interviewed more than 100 suspects, some as recently as 1986. Eventually came to the conclusion that the culprit was likely living in their house for at least six months prior to the slayings. There was never enough conclusive evidence to close the case, so almost a century later, it remains unsolved. Perhaps even more unsettling was the fact that livestock were being still being fed at the time, and neighbors saw smoke coming from the chimney from March 31st to April 4th, indicating the culprit remained in the house for a few days after doing away with the entire family. A murder investigation went cold until a family found a drifter in their attic. In fall of 1941, while his wife, Helen, was recovering in the hospital from a broken hip, Philip Peters returned home to find a man going through his icebox. He confronted the man and was promptly beaten to death by the intruder with a cast iron shaker. Worried neighbors came to check on Philip that evening as they usually saw him every day. That's when they discovered his body. No evidence was present at the scene. Dumbfounding police. Even more mind-boggling were the calls from the neighbors and even Helen once she returned home, insisting they heard someone in the house or telling of odd smells. Every time officers responded, they found nothing suspicious. Helen eventually moved out and the house stayed vacant. Yet calls from the neighbors continued. Police finally caught a break when two officers stationed in the front of the house spotted a man inside. They rushed in just in time to see a pair of spindly legs disappearing into the attic trapdoor. The suspect, Theodore Conies, was apprehended and confessed to murdering Philip Peters upon viewing the filthy, cramped quarters Conies had been living in for months. Officer Fred Zarnow declared a man would have been would have had to have been a spider to stand up there as long as he could, and so began the legend, the Denver Spider-Man. The boys of Yuba County that never came home. In 1978, five California men with varying, in, varying intellectual and psychological disabilities went to watch a basketball game in California State University at Chico and never came home. Their mental states were such that they were often called boys rather than men, although they were in their 20s and 30s. All lived with their families. Inexplicably, instead of going home, the friends drove 70 miles east from the university and up on a mountainous snow-covered road. They were abandoned. Their Mercury Montego had disappeared into the night. Later, a snowstorm caused authorities to call off the search. and the thaw... Authorities found the bodies of Bill Sterling, 29, Jackie Hewitt, 24, Ted Weiler, 32, and Jack Madruga, 30, who still possessed the keys to the Mercury. The fifth man, Gary Mathias, 25, was still missing. Strangely, Weyer had apparently starved to death in a trailer full of food and with a unlit propane tank heater. 
He also had no shoes, and other, the other three bodies were outside. Two of their families were only able to recover bones. No one knows what happened to the boys of Yuba County and why they perished in the snow. Now, Matthias remains missing to this day. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Dunbar was kidnapped, but apparently he was found. But the boy who returned wasn't actually Bobby. In the summer heat of August 23rd, 1912, the Dunbar family decided to cool off with a vacation to Swayze Lake in Louisiana. More swamp than lake, it was full of alligators. At some point in the night, when the family was asleep in their tents, Bobby Dunbar, the family's four-year-old son, wandered off and disappeared, launching an eight-month-long search. A Louisiana newspaper from the time, the Caldwell Watchman, covered the search. When Bobby was missed, a search traced him to the banks of Lake Sweezy. At first, it was feared that he had drowned, but the lake failed to give up the body, and the little boy's hat was found some distance from the lake a day or so later. With hope of finding Bobby waning, the town continued to search for the boy, offering cash rewards equivalent to $125,000 today to anyone who could lead authorities to him. On April 13, 1913, Police finally thought they found the little Bobby Dunbar alive, traveling with a drifter named William Cantwell, and last name Walters, in Mississippi. The only problem? The Dunbars didn't recognize him. Regardless of the less-than-ideal reaction from the family, police matched up identifying markers like birthmarks to the, prove the boy was Bobby. The town celebrated his arrival despite the Dunbars' doubts. Meanwhile, accused kidnapper Walters protested his arrest from jail, claiming the boy was his legitimate son, of the son of his brother and his servant, Julia Anderson. The woman who claimed to be the boy's real mother paid a visit to the Dunbars to claim her alleged son, Bruce Anderson. After seeing him, she claimed he was, in fact, Bruce, not Bobby. A public trial decided that the Dunbars would keep Bobby and Julie Anderson would return to Mississippi. Years later, Bobby's granddaughter, Margaret Dunbar Cutright, received a scrapbook of articles about the mystery of her grandfather's identity. She allied with Lyndia Trevor, granddaughter of Julie Anderson, and the two began searching for the truth. After uncovering letters and court documents, 
Cutright persuaded her family, her father, to give a court-documented DNA sample to finally end the mystery. The DNA was compared to Bobby's younger brother, Alonzo. The test compared to Bobby's younger brother, Alonzo, proved the present-day Bobby Dunbar was not the same boy who went missing in the swamp in 1912. He was Bruce, the son of Julia Anderson, all along. What happened to the real Bobby Dunbar is still a mystery, as is the question of whether or not the parents knew where the boy really was or if the boy was not really theirs. Security cameras caught a missing man walking into a bar but never leaving the bar. In 2006, Brian Schaefer was a 27-year-old medical student at Ohio State University. In the early morning hours of Saturday, April 1st, he walked into the ugly Tuna Saluna with his roommate, Clint Florence, to celebrate the beginning of spring break. He was scheduled to take a trip to Miami with his girlfriend, Alexis Wagoner, the following Monday. Around 2 a.m. that morning, closed-circuit TV footage showed Schaefer talking to two young women just outside the bar, then re-entering. When the establishment closed... Florence tried calling Schaefer with no luck, so he headed home without him. No one saw or heard from Schaefer all weekend. When he missed his flight to Miami, his family filed a missing persons report. An investigation was underway and found the cameras did not capture Schaefer leaving. Florence refused to take a lie detector test, and the two women Schaefer was seen talking to were never asked to take one. Wagoner tried calling his phone every day, but it went straight to voicemail. One day it rang three times, then hung up, which could have been a glitch, according to the phone company, or possibly a clue. The phone pinged at locations 14 miles outside of Columbus, but the exact location could not be tracked. Authorities, friends, and family are stumped by the disappearance. No foul play was indicated, and Schaefer didn't seem to be running away from anything. His phone and credit cards had not been used. There was some false hope in 2020 that a homeless American living in Mexico might be Schaefer, but the FBI ruled that out. His younger brother Derek and only surviving family still hope for a break in the case of his disappearance to this day. The Lake of Skeletons in the Indian Himalayas contains the remains of up to 800 people. Rupin Lake sits roughly 16,000 feet above sea level in the Indian Himalayas and is frozen for parts of the year. In 1942, a ranger happened upon it and noticed something horrific, skeletons in and around the water. Further investigation yielded the remains of hundreds of people. Who were they? Asking, and what happened to them? Excavations and analysis attempted to find some answers. Among researchers' theories is that the hailstorm claimed the lives of Rupind Lake's people, especially because the remains dated to around 850 CE. Subsequent investigations challenged those findings, however, including the dating of the remains. Even 80 years after the so-called Skeleton Lake discovery, researchers are still puzzled over the mysterious and chilling sight How could so many people end up in such a relatively small lake in an isolated area? Over 800 people dead.
Archaeologists found 2,000-year-old remains of infants in Ecuador wearing helmets made from children's skulls. Perhaps one of archaeology's most chilling discoveries and mysteries came from Salango, Ecuador, where researchers were excavating burial mounds dating to 100 BCE and associated with the Guangala culture. Archaeologists were surprised to unearth the remains of babies wearing the skulls of other children, although no one can say for certain why these infants were buried with skull helmets. They most likely were meant to shield and protect them. Unparalleled insider access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP plan. Our newest, most exclusive plan. Listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer detail supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. Statistics show us on average we encounter, whether it be drive-by, walk-by, make eye contact with or talk to at least seven psychopaths. And that's a broad range, Uh, seven people out of however many dozens or hundreds of people we encounter a day. That's co-workers, family, uh, strangers, acquaintances. That could be anyone. And what drives what we perceive as normal people to become monsters and kill others, Uh, such as the case with Gabby Petito, where her fiancé conveniently comes back home disappears without a trace after it starts to get too hot for him when she is presumed missing. And he's gone now. And they can't get any answers from his family or his attorney. They're not talking to anyone. And he refused to talk to anyone. And somehow, they did not come down hard enough, fast enough, to trap that rat and figure out what the hell happened to Gabby. And it was announced just today as I'm laying down the tracks for this episode that there was a body that has been discovered in one of the wilderness parks visited visited by Gabby and her fiancé. A body that was discovered that is presumed to be hers. Nothing has been revealed yet, whether or not it is indeed Gabby. But it's not looking too good. And it's it's really, it's maddening. It's a lot like that encounter, that issue, the story of the husband who was having an affair on his wife. And so he decided to kill his two daughters and his pregnant wife and unborn child and shove their bodies in a fuel reservoir tank and try to hide it. And even went to help and search for the missing daughters and the missing wife. And aided in that. Acted as if he was really concerned and wanted them to come back. All the while, he's the one that killed them. Now, Gabby's still missing. She was last heard from by her family in late August. And she had a strong social media presence. Now, her fiancé, 
who conveniently came back with a story full of more holes than Swiss cheese has disappeared. He's not been seen since Tuesday, September, I believe it was the 16th, 2021, and he's still missing. No one really seems to be looking for him hard enough, in my opinion. And we have a whole array of murder podcasts and true crime podcasts. And even though I'm not of that genre, really, I'm, I tie it in with uh, the paranormal. Not to say that anything paranormal pertained to the disappearance of Gabby. However, since then, of course, we know what really happened. And it was a tragic end to a tragic disappearance. But at least the culprit, too bad he wasn't caught, but he took himself out, which I've said before, why didn't he just off himself to begin with instead of hurting her? Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you, and your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live, now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. Most bizarre thing I've ever encountered. One uh, would be uh, when I was a guest speaker at the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I told you, Randy. Uh, several years ago. I've, I've been a regular there, but I've taken some time off from it so I don't bore people. So this woman approaches me, and she is, seems to be distraught, and she's like she really needed to talk to me, but not around other people. So she pulls me off to the side, and she says to me, I don't know how to tell you this, but... I know I've been abducted over and over again since the age of nine. I'm like, okay, go ahead. I, I'm open ears. I hear stories like this all the time. And she said, no, you don't understand. They've abducted me within the last year and impregnated me. I said, really? And she says, yes. And I was carrying the child almost a full term. And then the light took me again. And when I came to, I was in the hospital. And they say I was never pregnant to begin with. But I have ultrasounds showing that I had a child in my stomach. I, I said, oh, okay, did you, you know, did some cult maybe take your baby or something? Or did a dingo get your baby? And <laughs> she's, I didn't really say that. That would be rude. So oh, yes. she she went on to, to say that she keeps having visions of a child that she um, will never see or never have because it was taken from her by the higher beings. And that she encountered a child that she knew was hers, but it was aged seven years, but she lost it about a year ago. And I'm like, okay, so it aged rapidly, she said, because it's an alien-human hybrid. And she knows it's her child because it spoke to her telepathically. 
and no. said, Mommy, I'm here. I'm okay. Um, they need me. They need me. I have a higher calling. And I, I'm start, I'm sitting, I have to sit down at this point. I'm like, okay, because that was a lot to unload on a guy that That's writes ghost books and talks yeah. about Bigfoot and You're like, this is a great band. story. Are you yeah. like, yes. I was thinking, is it I hard to capitalize on is this. Is it hard? Like, Do you have to like resist getting too caught up in the beginning? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you can end up like Alex Jones. You mentioned sure. him earlier. Yeah. And create your own crazy cult of conspiracies mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and... Mm-hmm. Then the government has you on a watch list, which isn't fun. I've had my phones tapped, but that's a whole other story. And that whole experience, uh, on top of that, then I, there was another time at the Mid-Ohio Paranormal Convention in Dayton where these people approached me and said that men in black were following them. Uh, men in black had told them not to talk to me <laughs> and that they feel they have to share these images with me before the men in black take them because they've broken into their house and ransacked their house looking for these images. And it was just random images of really weird black lines and posts that just appear out of nowhere within a five-second shot. They're not there. And then within a five-second shot, they are there. So, I mean, these were just typical Polaroids and snapshots. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that could have been a Sharpie marker. You just gave me a quick glimpse of the image. Let me analyze the the actual film. Let me look into this. Let me know more about the land where these pictures were taken. They were giving me minimal information. So there's a lot of kooks out there like that. Right. Well, and then mental health. So, yeah, you're like mental health plus, Yeah. yeah. But that yeah. woman really shook me to the core when she shared that information. So what 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 came of, of that? Uh, she had been following me for a while, and uh, this was during the days of the merge between MySpace losing its popularity and Facebook becoming a, a gotcha. big thing in like mm-hmm. 2010, 2011 when MySpace died. And she had been following me heavily on uh, Facebook, which is one of the reasons I don't have my own Facebook anymore. Um, I have fan pages, but I don't have... Anything more than just that about myself on Facebook. Why? Because you are having people find you and and come up to you with problems? Uh, Yeah, and uh, somehow getting my phone number because there was a time when Facebook would take the information you put in uh, that's supposed to be secure and they would have on their phone number and then I would be getting calls and texts and all hours of the night. Yeah. (gasps) I just heard something. (laughs) I need you to come over. Deep wow. into my sock drawer. Yeah, I would get that a lot. Now, what is the, so? What would you say is like the the most definitive evidence that you've ever been a part of? Um, like most, where, where made you a believer one hundred and ten percent? It started with me at a very early age. Uh, what pushed me over the edge? I had always been aware of things, seen things, heard things, and I was told uh, by people close to me just to ignore it. Um, now you said like, like your mother or like your, your... yeah and uh, people at church and uh, so they didn't add, so your mother or, or your parents or whoever this is uh, didn't ever have any sort of beliefs like you have like where oh they do they do uh, and they would choose to ignore it as well and not feed it not give it attention but I went the exact opposite out of rebellion I guess You're like give it <laughs> yeah, I want Ghostbusters more. in our era didn't help uh, either I'm sure Ghostbusters did not help I mean it, it, it's a great <laughs> film but it did not help to um, push that fire down I guess so what I kept encountering was a loved one that had died and died under mysterious circumstances we were told just from old age but it was something more depression related okay and I kept seeing them around the time of the anniversary of their death 
uh, not in a peaceful manner, but in a, in a manner of anguish and despair, reaching out to me. And it was freaking me out as a five-year-old, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old. This went on until I was about 11 or 12. Around the same week that they died, I would keep seeing them in and around the property that belonged to them. And would they come up to you specifically because they knew that you could you would acknowledge them? Yeah. Whoa. They wouldn't speak. It's almost as if they couldn't speak. But I got a sense of despair and, and want and longing from them. Some They needed help for something. So at the age of 12, it just dawned on me because it works for me in my area and those around me believe and acknowledge Jesus as a Savior. So it worked for us, mm-hmm. per se, religion-wise. And I prayed to God, take them wherever they need to go. They need you. They need to pass over. They need redemption, something. Save this soul. And this, the sighting stopped. I never saw this person again anymore in that state of being after that prayer was said. And it just it's almost like a light went off that I'm supposed to do that. Uh, this yeah. is what I need to do. And it just only became, I guess it's... Um, You're like a walking Ouija board? Like a spiritual gift, afraid. almost. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Um, Experience Columbus's newest and most entertaining haunted attraction, Carnage Haunted House. Carnage Haunted House and their monsters return to an all-new indoor 16,000-square-foot location at 3770 Refugee Road, home of intense terror that's guaranteed to scare. Featuring the bayou, the entity, and more, experience the thrill of two of Columbus's most immersive attractions and terrifying all-indoor haunts under one roof. For ticket prices and hours of operation, visit them on Facebook or check out Carnage hauntedhouse.com at time again time to end the show for the week i'm out of things to talk about i've covered everything from darkness corruption evil murder mayhem the list goes on mankind is not kind at all to be completely honest everything from robbing raping pillaging murder And it stems from everywhere, from as extreme as Adolf Hitler to as minor as Donald Trump. Mankind is not kind, and we are by far the most vicious creatures that walk the earth. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening to Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. I will catch you next week for more strange and unusual and different topics to discuss. Have a great weekend and stay cool because it's only getting hotter. I